0: is the Amidon Planet Podcast, episode 49. I'm your host, Joel Amidon. Thank you for joining me on this never any quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast, we're talking Ted Lasso. We're talking Giannis Antetokounmpo. And we're talking high school math lessons to explore, understand, and respond to social injustice book club. Yes, we are continuing uh, the book club in a bonus series where I'm sharing book club materials that were created during this past year through the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast No Guilt Book Club series, and then offering just a little content on some other topics that I've wanted to talk about, but not quite full episode worthy, though I do think Ted Lasso is episode worthy. I'll get to that in a second. In the last episode, I shared book club resources related to Rough Draft Math by Mandy Jansen and then talked about the Book of Basketball by Bill Simmons for the bonus. Lots of basketball um, happening. I you know, would not have predicted the Bucks would win the championship championship uh, between the last episode and this episode because I would be scared to death that I would jinx it, really, and I think I mentioned that in the last episode. So we'll we'll talk about that, too. Anyway, um, but this week, the featured book or book club is High School Math Lessons to Explore, Understand, and Respond to to Social Injustice by Robert Berry III, Basil Conway IV, Brian Lawler, and John Staley. You'll remember, John, we had an episode with him a few episodes ago, maybe in the... Early '40s. Anyway, we talked about the power of organizations. Uh, John was a former president of the National Council of Supervisors of Mathematics. Might have some stuff coming up with him in the future. Anyway, well, you'll hear more about that book, the book, and John and um, the other authors and, and what they did in this next episode because he was on uh, the culminating podcast episode the culminating experience of the book club was a podcast episode of the teaching math teaching podcast. And we're going to put that at the end of this episode, just like we did with the rough draft math um, book club that we did for the last episode of the Amazon planet podcast. So anyway, going to do that again. We'll talk more about the materials that we assembled around this book. And that because in case you want to do your own book club around high school math lessons to explore, understand and respond to social injustice. One of my, I think about a book that, professionally i would if i was teaching high school mathematics i would that would be on my shelf it would be re- not on my shelf probably on my desk cuz it seems very useful anyway we'll talk about more about it at the end of this episode but as for the bonus i wanted to talk about ted lasso the apple plus tv series that would be premiering the second season the day this podcast is released so if you can hear this episode you can go and watch it. I don't know if they release the whole season or just a few episodes, but anyway, you can watch part of season 2 or all of season 2. But let me back up for a second. So if you're unfamiliar cuz you know not every a lot of people have Netflix, a lot of people have um Hulu, Peacock is out there now, but Apple Plus, I don't feel like a lot of people have Apple Plus, but if you do have it, Ted Lasso is worth it. Uh Ted Lasso is a great TV series. And and let me get to the premise. The premise from Wikipedia is this American Ted Lasso, a coach of college level, American football, the Wichita state shockers (laughs) is his initial uh, position before he is then unexpectedly recruited to coach an English premier league team, AFC Richmond, despite having no experience in coaching soccer or European football. So, Hilarity ensues from there. And I remember seeing Ted Lasso, the character, originally in, like, some commercials. They had some commercials from, like, the NBC Sports Network where this same premise is used. It's because it's a fairly simple premise, right? And he looks like a a coach. He's got a little bit of a southern drawl. He's got a mustache. I mean, like, got the visor on. So, you know, it's got that kind of SEC sort of football coach, like southern, you know, ball coach sort of, like, look to him and sound to him. And then he's talking about coaching premier league soccer and, you know, just fish out of water completely. And so that is the premise, right? And so we go from there and you think, Oh, this is going to be like a show about buffoonery. Right. And he's just going to make a, um, a mockery of himself and let's laugh at Americans and stuff like that. And, but it really, I don't know what I was expecting from the show and when I got out of it, it was amazing. And so I'm one of those people that likes to watch things repeatedly. So, like, for example, there's a couple music documentaries, Pearl Jam 20, which is about the 20-year anniversary of Pearl Jam being a group, and then the History of the Eagles, that music documentary. I've watched those, like, I don't want to count how many times. Like, it's more than 10, probably more than 20, maybe more than – yeah, it's it's probably unhealthy. Like if you saw the metrics on whatever streaming service like, wow, that guy really likes that, <laughs> that show. Um, Ted Lasso is another show that I've watched repeatedly. Another on a, another side note, I love listening to I'm doing some running lately and I love to listen to a single song over and over again while I run. I wonder if that's odd. But so here are some of the songs that I've listened to over and over again while i've run and usually this is in training for like some sort of half marathon or something may we all by uh florida georgia line and tim mcgraw again weird i know um sturgill simpson's welcome to earth from the uh sailor's guide to life album that's awesome song so listen to that repeatedly may we all by oar and then is there another one i can't think of another one anyway those three definitely I've listened to a lot. Oh, <laughs> this is my latest one. This is, this is great. And I listened to this one while writing. It's uh, Exile by Taylor Swift. That's also featuring Bon Iver, fellow Scani. Um, bon Iver, he recorded his first album. Like just like I said in, in a previous episode, he recorded that just not that far away from where I grew up. So anyway, that's a big digression. And again, this is uh, all part of Self-Care Summer. We're doing these little uh, bonuses because I didn't want to do full episodes, but that also means maybe this... Uh, we go on some tangents anyway back to Ted Lasso um watch things over and over again and as I'm watching things over and over again I uh, notice things you know you notice things as you watch them. you're not paying attention to the big pictures you start noticing the little things and when I do that a lot of times and what's kind of the premise of this podcast was I start noticing things like what are lessons you're going to learn to figure out how to teach better And that's, you know, I I learned some lessons from Ted Lasso on how to teach better or had lessons reinforced by watching Ted Lasso. And so, you know, the original premise, it's a fish out of water, right? It's someone from outside of a context coming in and like having no bearing on how to do the job that he has been tasked to do. And so what when someone has that, there's two ways to respond. Come in is like, I know what I'm doing and they don't and they totally fake it, and maybe they get away with it, maybe they don't. Or you come in like he and, like, saying, hey, I don't have any expertise. And that's the the kind of his stance. I don't have any expertise. I'm going to be learning. And and people are, like, outraged, but it's, like, it's true. Like, what would you want him to come in and say, like, I do know what I'm doing? He doesn't. He has no idea. And I think as we're coming up on a new uh, semester or new school year, I think of all the teachers that graduated from my classroom that are going into new schools or um, even even teachers that have been teaching in the same place where you have new students coming into your classroom. Like there's all this unknown that maybe sometimes we don't treat as unknown. And I think about that, like I've got a bunch of students, like some of them I do know. So like I've had them in previous classes, but a lot of them I don't. And so to to come in and say like I know exactly how this class is going to go I know how exactly how these dynamics is are going to play out I don't, and to so to say like my first way that I'm going to position myself is it as expert or as learner? Like yes I need to establish that they can trust me like I know what I'm doing, but also too to say like I need to learn I need to learn from you I need to learn how best to be the teacher for you that I need to be. And you see that Ted Lasso, he's coming in like, I'm going to be the coach of this team. And I need to learn who this team is. And you hear him, he's asking questions about uh, terminology and culture. And he, he's doing all that. Like there's lots of hilarity around the different, um, uh, different vocabulary that they use over there for, you know, boots is a trunk of a car. It's also, you know, the shoe, your, their cleats are called boots and, you know, out of touch rather than out of bounds. And, you know, training versus practice. Anyway, lots of good stuff around vocabulary. So you kind of see like he's learning about the culture. He's asking questions all the time. And you see that where he's kind of seeing himself as I need to figure this thing out. I need to learn as much as I can so I can be the best in this position I can be. That's a great lesson. That's a great lesson that we're going to go in and we're going to learn as much as we can. Like I remember, um, And the thing is, it's obvious in this case, right? Because he's, again, a fish out of water. Same thing when I uh, have done some traveling abroad with uh, 410 Bridge and gone to Kenya, Guatemala, and Haiti. And yes, I go to these places and I see classrooms and I might have, and you know, I have some expertise on teaching, but these are contexts that I'm completely unfamiliar with. And I want to just go in and learn as much as I can. And yes, in learning and seeing and having some conversations with teachers. And then you might say like, Ooh, maybe there's some value I could add here. Ooh, there's some value that I'm gaining from being here. I'm learning from this experience that I can then make myself even better. And so by developing those relationships, we're seeing how that can make everyone in, in the exchange better. And so, you know, that goes into the next thing. Ted understands Ted Lasso understands the secret of teaching. He sees that the relationships are the most important thing. He's As soon as he gets. there, he's developing relationships, he's developed relationships with his boss. He has biscuits with the boss where he goes in and is developing a relationship with the owner of the team. And he's developed relationships with everyone that's associated with the team, even the, the people that hate him, the fans. <laughs> He develops relationships with them too. So just like, you know, maybe this is coming full circle, that we talked about the secret of teaching in the previous episode when we were talking about the book of basketball and the secret of basketball. It's not about basketball. It's about people and relationships, like sacrificing for each other for the common good. And we're seeing that here where Ted Lasso is coming in not as this expert leader and tactician like bill belichick like you know controlling everything sort of situation no no, no. he's coming in to be like i'm gonna identify all the assets that we have here and i'm gonna put them in the best position for us to succeed that's pretty awesome and in, in that case he's doing less like i'll take that back he he's Doing less as like the instigator, but he's putting people again, putting these positions into place where they can be best used. So the kit man has some expertise on soccer, uh, football. I'll be using those interchangeably, but he he has some expertise in in strategy, and so he's like, well, that's an asset. That's an asset that makes us better. And I'm not, I don't care if his title is kit man and his primary responsibility is cleaning towels and uniforms. That expertise has a use for us being better as a team. Right? And so, you know, and you, over and over, you see him identifying things that people, you know, the, the leadership of a person, the joy of a person, like giving them little nudges so that he's not doing things directly, but he's putting people in position to do those things. So he's delegating, he doesn't micromanage. Um, and he knows that if someone does something without him telling them to do it, like, now that person is empowered. Now that person sees responsibility. And, and now, when Ted isn't there, there's still that influence there. And that, that reminded me of, <coughs> excuse me, of, you know, a position, a, an indicator of success that I saw as a teacher is when I was teaching high school mathematics is if I could be gone, so if I was sick at a conference, whatever, if I was gone from my class, would it still run? I saw that as a a sign of success because if it didn't, that was basically like everything was dependent on me and that meant that what did I really do when those kids leave my classroom? Are they, do they see themselves as better doers of mathematics or do they see, or they see like, you know, all my success, was dependent on that teacher. No, I wanted them to see themselves as, as doers of math. And so like, you know, if I created uh, my small groups and had little leaders within the group and then. People could talk to each other. They knew how to ask questions. They knew how to figure things out. And so when the sub would come, it you know, for typically when a sub comes for a math classroom, the sub is so intimidated, be like, I don't want to teach math. Oh, no. Versus like if the sub would come and I said, you know what, just tell them to do these things, you know, put out what page we're on, what investigation we want them to do. And this class will run. And all you have to do is ask questions and help them ask questions of each other because this thing should be able to run without me being at the helm. And you see that with Ted Lasso. He's kind of doing that. He's kind of starting to shape that from the get-go of, hey, I'm going to put people in position that makes this whole thing better and not completely dependent on him. But he's also in touch with the small things too. Like he wants to make sure to know people's names. He wants to make sure to know birthdays and things. You see how the importance of that is, again, to get back to that secret of teaching of building roles, relationships, building the relationships so that when, you know, there's things where you want people to trust you, you want people to receive instruction from you, like you have that relationship, you have that conduit with which that's, that instruction can happen. And again, we've, we can hammer all day about relationships, and, but you see that in this show. Um, so yeah, Ted Lasso. Great. I I could go even further, but I didn't. I didn't want to go too far. There's two things I did want to share. One was a quote that I think captures a lot of this. Um, Some of the learnings I had I named before. One quote was: "Be curious, not judgmental. Be curious, not judgmental." I love that. So, like when you see like a child that you intuition might say, you know what? I think they're misbehaving. Like I don't know. We I had something I wrote where there was students that were yelling across the room and like, wow, that, that doesn't seem like that's good, right? It's not good to yell, right? So we should shut that down. But then you hear, wait, let's let's actually listen to the yelling. Oh, they're yelling about math. Oh, they're arguing about which one is a better solution strategy for getting to this same answer that they, uh, like, oh, that's great. Maybe we need to turn the volume down a little bit. Maybe we should just tell them, hey, you know, walk closer to each other. Right. But that's I'm going to be curious, not judgmental I like that. That's a great quote. And so I see that like um, there's shoot. I can't remember. Evelyn Jacobs, I want to say from George Mason, there is like this. Um, it was basically the same thing it was a strategy for you know i don't quite understand something that's happening in my classroom and again not wanting to use that it's a bad thing or a good thing it's just something i just don't quite understand and so we want to say like well what's behind it what's causing it is how can we leverage it to help build a relationship with the content and so be curious not judgmental great position also in what was a beautiful thing in this uh um, show is there's little things again here and there again when you watch things over and over again you can catch some of these things but this one actually stood out pretty good because it was part from my generation in this series i won't say where there's inserted the entire alan iverson rant on practice unbelievable I was just like, Oh my gosh. And it's just inserted as dialogue. And there's no mention of Allen Iverson, but it's like, if you're from my generation, if you watch sports center and you saw Alan Iverson, give that rant, it was like, Oh my gosh. And it's, I mean, it's, it's been out there a lot. And we talk about practice. Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. Um, so just, it's a great show. If you haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it. Um, feel good sort of show. I, I love it. So, I can't wait to watch season two. Maybe we'll have more to talk about. And again, I think there might be more to talk about uh with regards to Ted Lasso. I just I I love finding lessons on learning to teach better from these weird sources. Uh not I mean, not too weird, but I just I don't know. I think there's stuff to be learned, especially when things ring true in popular culture. Something to tap into. All right, finally, we, so we talked about Alan Iverson and talked about this uh that rant, we talk about basketball a lot. I just want to talk quickly about Bucks and Six, uh, or the Milwaukee Bucks and their championship. They won it in six games, which was kind of cool because there's a whole Bucks and Six sort of uh, uh story from the history of the Bucks franchise. I'm not gonna get into it too much here. But just looking at the story of you know, what we talked about last or want to talk about what we talked about last time, the secret of basketball. It's not about basketball, it's about people, it's about relationships. And then you look at the story of the Milwaukee Bucks who, you know quote unquote, did things the, the right way. How you, I don't know how I grew up with teams where there's people that get drafted and yeah, there's free agency, but people that get drafted and you, you see them grow and develop. And that was the case for Giannis Antetokounmpo and for Chris Middleton, where they were draft or Chris Middleton was traded after one year, but he barely played for the Pistons. So basically started off as a buck and Giannis started off as a buck. And then you see them grow and develop together. And you see the power of the relationship that they have. And you just go ahead and go and listen to some quotes of Giannis talking about Chris Middleton and what he means to him. And, you know, because Giannis could have gone anywhere. Giannis um, Antetokounmpo, he was a uh, drafted from Greece as a kid. If you look at pictures before and after of him, it's amazing his transformation from when he was drafted, where he was just like. Uh, like a deer on ice uh, on the court, like just all over the place. He had so many gifts, but it was like trying to get them to be under control and 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 be productive towards winning a basketball game. And you saw him develop and you saw Chris Middleton develop into these, you know, good players, then all stars, and now they're world champions. And you see this, I don't know, trajectory of their relationship. And it's, it's pretty cool. And it's pretty cool to see that happened, and you saw like the secret of basketball kind of come into life, where it's more than just getting the numbers. And but on the other side, Giannis got some amazing numbers, and Chris Middleton got some pretty good numbers too. But um I just I never thought I'd see a Milwaukee Bucks win a championship, yeah. and especially after two seasons ago when they were defeated by the Raptors, and then you see what's happening with these super teams that have been assembled. I'm like, I don't know if this is gonna happen. Cause you don't really think of the Bucs as having a super team. And then they win the championship. And it's weird. Like I remember when the Packers first won a championship. I remember when the Packers were awful and then all of a sudden they won a championship with the with Brett Favre and then with Aaron Rodgers. And it's just like, wow, it's it's just kinda like was kind of this unbelievable thing. And then now it's with the Bucks and like I would never have thought that the Bucks would have won now we just need the brewers brewers win a championship we're, we're we're golden but i uh i thought there was something there we talked about that secret of basketball and then you kind of see it play out in front of you and just lots of good quotes from Giannis and his uh commitment to milwaukee his commitment to the box his commitment to his teammates the way he talks about his teammates it's kind of a it's a good thing so you go look at it it's there's some special things going on there anyway Want to now get into uh, talking about this No Guilt book club resources that we have. So again, what we're trying to do is, or what I'm trying to do is, share resources around these books that we did these No Guilt book clubs around. So for this book, we have more than we have for the last book. So for Rough Draft Math, that was our first book club, and we, we did book chats around them. I did them on Instagram Live. I did not save them. They're not anywhere, so... They're gone. And there were some good chats. Mandy is awesome. So like I'm kind of upset that I didn't know what I was doing. But again, like like you say, when you do things over and over again, you, you get better. So this is the first iteration. We got better. And so John Staley, who is one of the authors of this book, again, High School Math Lessons to Explore, Understand, and Respond to Social Injustice by Barry, Conway, Lawler, and Staley. So when we were talking about putting this together and doing weekly book chats last summer, around this book, and then a culminating podcast episode. John's like, hey, have you ever seen StreamYard? And I'm like, I've heard of it, haven't used it. And we used it, and it was awesome. So every book chat that we had, we did, I believe, four book chats. They're captured on, uh, they were live, and so we could have interactions, which was cool in the moment. It was you know responding to questions in in time. But now they're in video form, still on Facebook. So at that time, I had only... I got the free version of StreamYard, so you could either stream it to Facebook or YouTube. I picked Facebook, um, but uh, eventually, and you'll see in these later ones, we figured out, hey, do Facebook and YouTube. (laughs) Put some money up for the uh, full version, which actually, that money came from all of you out there that are supporting us through those Be The Good uh, t-shirt sales, so thank you. You've uh, sponsored the expansion of our uh, StreamYard capabilities, but anyway... So for this book club, for the book club resources in the show notes here, you're going to find a PDF that's got links to the videos for all the book chats, the link to the podcast episode, and it's got the breakdown of how we did the chapters and then links to purchase the book. So all that's up there in case you want to do your own book club around this text. It's an awesome book. If you're a high school math teacher, there's just a lot of materials and a lot of professional materials that you can put up. I mean, Uh, Robert Berry and John Staley were presidents. Uh, Robert Berry was the president of NCTM. John Staley was president of NCSM. Uh, So NCTM is the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics. NCSM is the National Council of Supervisors of Mathematics. So this is loaded with professional resources, loaded with great um, citations and research in there. And also all the lessons were done in classrooms. So... That's what's cool too, is that this is rooted in teachers' experience. And in our book chats, we have some of the authors and some of the users of these uh, lessons talking about their experiences with them in the book chats. So the first book chat, I believe, is just with yeah, it's just with the authors and myself. And then every episode from there, there's teachers that are uh, invited to participate in the chats. And so teachers from all across the country. So it it was a really fun set of conversations. So what we're going to share here now is the culminating experience from the book club, uh, from the teaching math, teaching podcast. So just like we did last week with the rough draft math book club, we're, we're sharing this one from this book of high school math lessons to explore, understand, and respond to social injustice. So we're going to run that culminating experience, uh, for the book club. And then we'll wrap ups, but just so you know, all those resources that we're talking about can be found at um, the show notes for this episode, which would be Amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 49. But without further ado, here's that episode of the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast talking about high school math lessons to explore, understand, and respond to social injustice by Barry, Conway, Lawler, and Staley. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of Math Max Teacher Educators. The hosts are Ava Thanheiser, Dusty Jones, and me. I am Joel Amidon, and today, actually, I'm flying solo because we have got a packed house in the uh, Zoom room today. So today we are talking with John Staley, coordinator of special projects in Baltimore County Public Schools. Brian Lawler, associate professor of mathematics education at Kennesaw State University. Basil Conway, associate professor of mathematics education at Columbus State University. Robert Berry, professor of math education at University of Virginia and immediate past president of NCTM. Because they are the four lead authors of our teaching math teaching summer book club choice for July, or as they uh, laughingly call it, the month of Joel, because they had to talk to me so much. So we have been reading and discussing high school math, mathematics lessons to explore, understand, and respond to social injustice every week on Facebook Live throughout July, and are wrapping up the month with this culminating podcast episode. Welcome, John, Basil, Robert, and Brian. Thank you for joining us. How are y'all? Doing
1: great. Thanks for having us.
0: Fantastic. Oh, wow, truly wonderful. This is great. This is great. So, you know, we have a lot to get through. So we're going to just start chugging in and we've got a few questions we're going to go through. But again, this is always a a great conversation. We've had a great conversation throughout the month. So this book, uh, I'm curious about it. What's the story? Can you share a little bit about the history of this book? Yeah, so probably two,
2: three years ago, um, I just really had this, this I'm based the people who can't hear it or see I had a huge passion for, uh, just, you know, teaching math for empowerment, like not just teaching math for mathematics sake, but, um, dismantling injustices, uh, empowering teachers and students, uh, to use world, to use the mathematics to change their world. And so, um, it, that was really kind of the place where it started and, uh, As I started, you know, I I was thinking about all these great ideas. I was just overwhelmed trying to come up with uh, lessons and these ideas. And then I realized that I couldn't do it alone. And so this was kind of my whole mindset of shifting and thinking, you know, what do I do with this? And so then I started realizing that I didn't have to stand alone. And so uh, that's kind of where I started reaching out and looking for other people that could help me. And it began this huge journey of this development of the book. And so uh, it kind of began with me connecting with uh, John, Robert, and Brian and where we just uh, started sharing these visions, these common visions we had. And then as we were doing, we realized that, you know what, it doesn't just begin and start with us, but it begins and starts with the whole community of people who have this same passion, who's drawn to this uh, idea of teaching math or social justice. And so that, that was um, kind of the small background of where it got started from on my end. Anybody
0: else want only- to add to that? Yo, yeah, John.
1: So it is is when we came together, one of the things that we we said up front, we knew up front was that we needed to get teachers and math educators to help contribute to be a part of this book. Um, so in, inclusive in the lessons, inclusive of their ideas being infused throughout the chapters where we can infuse them. But we knew we needed those out in the field, those out in classrooms, those educating math teachers um, to be a part of this book. So that was a big part of the upfront piece when we sat down, the four of us, to start that initial thinking around making this book a reality.
3: Part of the history of getting started in the book, um, I'll, I'll share something that I find um, kind of, I'll just say funny looking back on it. Um, do you all remember our initial structure? So it, I know one of the first things we recognized was that we definitely wanted to organize the book around mathematics topics first. Because in most of our work with high school math teachers, that's just how they had to organize their planning. They had to ask themselves, "Okay, I'm picking up this unit on coordinate geometry. Uh, what what might I be able to do to teach the distance formula using a social justice context?" So we we explicitly decided to organize around the mathematics, and we said, "Well, we should use the Common Core, um, you know, because that's common." Not too long into that, we quickly realized, well, the common core is not common. Um, so we, we had to start thinking a little differently. But there was this other piece that I find the funny part. And that is common core, correct me, Basil, you might remember the, ex- or anyone might remember the exact term, but common core has like 52 standards across all their domains. Is it, It's like 52, if I remember right, Basil.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Do you remember our initial aim was to write one lesson for every one of the standards?
1: Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so there were high aspirations of a 52 lesson book and we want, want ended up with a 22 lesson book that was almost twice the size of what our publisher initially agreed to to put together for us
0: it's like that uh that who's the musician that wanted to do a uh, an album about every state and just i think he did like <laughs> illinois and <laughs> <laughs> good intentions <laughs> so, but no it's still some good things and and i guess I, I have a question and this is off our script uh john and robert as as two past presidents of organizations around you know teaching math teachers and uh, supervisors of mathematics and thinking about it as you know past presidents like this must be and looking at all the different people that were involved in this that are involved in math education this must be like what you want, right, what you want to facilitate, what you want to foster it, to see these sorts of things happen. Like, I don't know, As did you like ever step back from those perspectives and look at this project and be like, this is this is a good thing. This is a really good thing. Well, I
4: mean, for me, I mean, this is has always been, I mean, central to the kind of work that I hope that would happen, not only in my work, but really, you know, getting the field to engage in in very significant ways. And so issues around social justice and equity access and empowerment, um, you know, I think we still have some ways to go in math ed. but I think what I'm thankful for is that we created this that can be, I would probably describe it as, as a point to begin to have these discussions and that, and, then, and another point to create a framework or a structure for people can actually, this can actually happen in classroom teaching. I think sometimes what happens is that, you know, teachers, I want to do this, but I don't know how to begin or what to do. And so I'm hoping that this is the kind of the framing for some of those ideas that teachers can begin to move forward on. They want to do it, but not yet don't know how to take that first step. And hopefully this book provides that first step.
1: And Joel, to your point, um, when I was president of NCSM, Part of my conversation was about where we are in our equity walk, where we as an organization leading the work that helps support the teaching of learning of mathematics. Um, And so this, one of the things I also recognize from that and also from my role in Baltimore County Public Schools, is that when you have equity conversations, when you have conversations that are around race, when you have conversations that bring in um, hot topics and hot issues, that you have to help people put tools and have some tools to help them with some of the conversations. And so I look at this book as being a possible tool that people can have as they go about learning the process of being a social justice teacher, about teaching math for social justice, infusing those topics in the classroom, creating that environment that really does it. So it's all about what tools can we help teachers and those who build and develop and support and teach and teachers so that they can do this work.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, just as a, I'm not a reviewer of the book or it's not, my name's not written anywhere, but it, like as a, as a testament of someone who's like d- digested it over the past month, I mean, it's it's like the orange juice concentrate of, of like helping people out, like doing this sort of work. I mean, it is so full of information and tools in order to do this work well. And I mean, cause I, and you know, I've said in our weekly book chats, like, this is a question that I had. How do you do this? How do you, you see the work of folks that are written up in journals and things, and you see like, that's the thing I want to do. How do I get there? And and this was like, this is like a blueprint. And so, uh, again, it's great that it's been uh, been put together for us to digest. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for people to get it in their hands. So speaking of the weekly book chats, what, are, what are some of the highlights? What are some of the things that, uh, uh, bubbled up with, uh, with y'all in, in those uh, chats, either the ones you participated in or ones you viewed or the ones that uh, our know, lesson authors were a part of, what, what, what were some of the highlights? Whoever wants to kick us off here.
3: I'm going to jump in because the, the highlight for me, that the, the clear, clear highlight for me was for the first time, I got to meet six of our authors <laughs> face-to-face um, Zoom, Zoom notwithstanding, but um, it was great to hear from them, and man, each and every one of them probably should have been the lead, lead authors on this book instead of us. It was just fantastic to hear sort of the deep insights and the, gosh, I mean, truthfully extremely practical uh, work that, you know, they have, impl- they have gone through in implementing the lessons in their classroom, so far and away. Like, I want to I want to do more of this with every one of our authors somehow.
1: Hmm. So, so let me piggyback off of that, since we're talking about the authors. Um, it wasn't just about a lesson or a lesson that they were, one lesson they were teaching in their classroom. It was about how they built and developed their classroom environment that had more of a social justice perspective to it, a social justice framing underneath their classroom. So it wasn't just let me dump this topic into the classroom. It was about, that was a part of their essence, I guess I want to say, as they went about their teaching, their teaching process and what they did in their classrooms with their students.
4: I guess for me, I mean, I'm going to say ditto to both of the comments that have been said, but um, for me, I think there's an appreciation for, you know, not only the authors, but I mean, you know, these three gentlemen in terms of their depth of knowledge and and you know the nuance that comes and how things kind of complement each other in in a, in a way that um is building you know i mean I think there there's 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 always this kind of feeling of building together and building and moving forward so i, I appreciate uh that kind of interactions um, um, in terms of moving forward
2: yeah my uh favorite part was definitely getting a chance to listen to the authors of these lessons and uh, where they came from, the stories of those people uh, that they didn't just originate uh, out of some abstract space or whatever, but they were actually involved with these. And, you know, listening to John talk about his prior work and with the uh, students, at-risk students in prisons, or or what do you call it whenever students are in juvenile centers and so, and so um, you know and just being able to see that and understand that these are there's stories behind these lessons and there's stories behind these people's uh, interactions with with the lessons and so that was my favorite part is just realizing that it wasn't abstract these are real things that are really happening and real people, that have these real stories, like in all, this is real stuff. <laughs> and that's kind of the power behind, I think this teaching math for social justice is that there's, um, we're using mathematics for real. Like we're really doing math. This is real math. <laughs> and so I, I guess that was kind of the part that I love so much is that I got the, got the real feel of it. You know, remember we were talking to Allison uh, Lamb, and she was, uh, we were, she was talking, we were talking about the visual. So I felt so bad about taking her lesson and applying it to Alabama. <laughs> but really that's what we got to think about doing, right. Is to be able to take these lessons and think about in our own context, not just, you know, pulling them out and using them exactly how they are, but you know, how do we take these lessons and move them back to our own context, to our own situations. And so that was kind of the huge value that I saw is that their experiences overlapped so much with mine. And that, um, and that was what I just loved. just being able to chance to see and listen. Oh, uh, I remember, um, uh, Savine talked about his uh, men's group, and so when he said that, I was thinking about my men's group and those situations that I have to uh, balance and talk through. And so, like, it was a chance for me to intersect my life with his and see that wow, these things are so close. Like, we have these. I'm, I'm having these same conversations that he probably he's probably having somewhere else in the different part of the country. And so, uh, anyway, that that was my favorite part: was the clap, the collaborative environment that we had there.
0: Yeah, I think that, and that was. I, the highlight for me was you to the lesson authors and hearing these stories of these lessons and, and knowing that, it, and like you said, you, you can't just, you know, you have these lessons in the books as available for folks that want to do this, but also knowing that there is like tentacles and roots into the places where these were written and thing like, just like Allison's perspective, like, you know, the, what the perspective of, a, you know, Memphis, not that far away of where she was writing these, uh, uh, the context that she was writing her lesson from and knowing that that, that lesson was written out of a care for her students and wanted to, you know, offer another narrative about what might be happening with regards to test scores and, and things like that. And it just, and each of those, each of those lessons. And I think even uh, Christina offered a story and in, in talking about how a student had a um, a difficulty in 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 looking at the statistics and and having different narratives and like how she's saying, hey, look at the mathematics around this, and just how there is so much context and so much care for their students, and that's why they're doing this work. And it's like you, it's it's like a given. You need to do that. You need to have it on the background as 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 what you have going into these those relationships, the context of where you're doing this work. I think that just came out through and through. And also, just what was fun about for me, it's just seeing the joy that you all had, like you'd done this work together and then seeing not only their joy of working with each other. But yeah, when when people popped up on the uh, on the Zoom or the StreamYard, whatever you're doing for Facebook and like that, you'd first had a chance to meet and they had a chance to meet you. Just the joy and that this is a, a human endeavor of doing this work together. So like I, I just uh, I really appreciated that. Um, anything else from from that? Any, any other highlights that bubbled up for you all?
3: We've, um, it's always been extremely present in our mind that we're writing a book to help teachers think about bringing students' interests, lives, concerns, questions about the world into the math class, um, something that we, other people have called, but we also call teaching mathematics for social justice. Yet, the, the book title and the book seems to be organized around these 22 lessons, and Listening to the calls, the the yeah the weekly calls, um, it was very refreshing that that was clearly uh, people understood that these lessons were sort of more that they were examples to help us all think about teaching mathematics in, in this way where we're drawing upon student interests, centering the real-life contexts, um, being able to mathematize those contexts. I'm really owning Robert's word. He's put this word, mathematize, into my vocabulary. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that was a nice, uh, that I I was really happy to see how strongly that was embraced. And even what Basil was just saying, like the lessons are there for, to stimulate ideas. Really none of us can take any one of these lessons exactly as is we have to use it as a model to build from our, our specific content.
0: This podcast is the teaching math teaching podcast. And so we're thinking about how you might use this book to either teach math teachers methods or, or content courses. Like how, how might you use this? How might, or how might you already use uh, this work in in doing that work of either teaching methods or teaching content courses or professional development also?
2: So I've learned that uh, context, it matters so much. Um, You know, even when we think about our methods courses or uh, where you might be using the lessons individually, but, I work in a Uteach model, which uh, some people may be familiar with. And so our methods course is integrated with uh, math, science, and computer science. And so we naturally actually mesh these topics and ideas around one another all the time. And so um, this is a really – when we started the book, that was kind of one of the back thoughts is that, you know what? I really want to use this in my methods course to be able to demonstrate what it looks like to integrate mathematics with other disciplines around science or around a social – topic or whatever it is and so on that that's kind of how I go about using the book is uh, and I use the lessons in the book and my plan is is to continue to now actually have even more a larger set to be able to model in the classroom so they actually see how some of this may be facilitated in their own uh, classrooms later on or their own um, placements or wherever that's at and so uh, and we're able to talk about the equitable practices and all those things that are aligned in uh, with what we've have goals for the course on top of putting social justice as a lens across it. So that's kind of the, the way we're using it in the Uteach model. At
4: oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, so, you know, so I have not yet taught. So uh, it's been a while since i taught the course, but I've been, I've given a lot of thought to this and here's my thinking around these ideas because one of the things we're working with, uh, Whether I'm working with pre-service teachers or teachers who are thinking about how to integrate lessons or think about these lessons for their own professional development. I think the first four chapters provide a nice framework for having these discussions. And having the discussions around that and understanding, you know, you just can't just jump in and teach the lesson. Teaching the lessons is not you know, kind of the end game, so to speak. You got to have all of those upfront types of conversation, those upfront types of knowledge base and knowledge building things are so important. And so for one to say, I'm just going to grab a lesson and teach a social justice lesson. I'd rather you not do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather you not do that. I would much rather for you to invest, make the investment in building the community and building the frameworks, um, and and then once you have those frameworks in mind, the lessons then serve as a model to begin to think about. Because importantly, what you might want to do is is math, as I always use the term, mathematize, mathematize some social justice issues that are close to the community in which you serve. And these lessons can provide some ideas; they're idea generating. I'm not saying don't use the lessons, but the, the lessons are idea generating. Types of lessons you can use them. You mod- you modify them for your needs. You or, or all of those things come into play. So I'm saying invest in thinking about the you know the you know the the idea of what does social justice look like in mathematics? What are all those ideas that create critical math you know education? The ideas around culturally relevant and culturally responsive teaching and pedagogy. The ideas around all those um, so teaching tolerance standards, those things have to be invested first. And then we kind of move into that. So I'm thinking I got to put some work in those first four chapters. Mm. Then we use the last, le- then we can begin to use the lessons uh, uh, to generate ideas.
0: Yeah. Those first four chapters are just gold. I mean, I, for any, any methods, like, where you're justifying every single thing that you're doing and thinking about what you're aiming for with discourse and stuff. I mean, it's just goal all right. But you guys, there's more answers out there. I don't know, John, are you about to say oh,
1: something? Yeah, I was gonna say, coming from a, a district perspective, a school system perspective, um, we've often had opportunities to collaborate with our university partners. Um, and one of the things I would, would hope or look for is that they continue to help people. We've heard the word context come up in many times We've heard Robert just mentioned about taking these lessons as possible um, seeds to help kick you off or when you get to that point. And so what I would want um, those who are building and developing our teachers in a pre-service or in-service perspective is to help them understand how to take um, lessons that they're given or lessons that they use and really contextualize them for the use in their classroom to make them real for their students um, that's one thing. The Above that, I would say that whole importance of building relationships. So people will talk about relationships, and we've heard the R's going across the years, but relationship is one that stands, and this relationship for how do you gain understanding about your students, how do you learn about their cultures and their backgrounds and their lived experiences, and why is that powerful so that you can help position your students in the math classroom so that you can help value their voice. And so I would, I would, you could, somebody who can do the math, you can teach them the different types of tasks to use and how to use them. That's one thing. But that piece about how to go about building and developing relationships in the math classroom and really valuing your students' voice and hearing all students and pushing, positioning all students with a strengths-based, assets-based perspective versus a deficit view is something I think that's, the, that's some of the groundwork you have to do before you even pop a social justice lesson into your classroom.
4: And John, I would add to one thing I would add to that. So after you've gone through all of that, it don't end with the lesson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it don't end with the lesson. Now that you've had this experience, I think there's something, there has to be some type of action yeah. that goes after experiencing the lesson. And and that is a, um, a significant part of when you're thinking about so, if you're committed to social justice and mathematics, it's just not the lesson. It is what happens after the lesson that engages in the idea of critical consciousness um, and what actions are you going to take um, um, as a, as a result of experiencing the lesson.
3: I continue to learn from my three colleagues, so now I know how to teach my methods class better. <laughs> However, let, let me share two things. One, one uh, maybe maybe both. Uh, the first one is very practical, it feels to me. I want to tell you a little bit about what I have been doing specifically in my class uh, for the past year, year and a half, my methods classes. And the other, some insight I feel like I've recently gained. Um, there's, there's I have used early in the semester with my methods students the lesson called Listen to Glisten. Um, Glisten is an acronym for the gay lesbian student. Mm, mm, I forget what E and N stand for. Joel, you're editing this, right? You can fill that back in later. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but it's, it's a wonderful lesson um, for, for several reasons. Um, and I'll tell you just like some of the goals, what it does for me. First and foremost, just getting into the lesson, it asks my pre-service teachers to learn what the, um, to, to just consider the, the demographics of their local school context through the lens of some of the survey data of the the GLSEN survey, um, the annual school climate survey that that GLSEN puts out, um, and sort of really contextualizes that um, a a sizable number of students in the classrooms that you regularly are are involved in do not feel safe in their schools for a variety of reasons. So first and foremost, I like that aspect of it. Second, The lesson is modeled around a guided reinvention of mathematics. Um, Through the lesson, students create a matrix multiplication process. So it just, again, allows them to see that pedagogical process. But finally, and probably most important, is my students always walk away asking, can I use this sort of thing in my school? Can I use this controversial topic in my math classroom? And it opens up that discussion about why, about if you're going to do it, like what do you have to do? And again, like just echoing Robert's and John's comments, you have to build this, this classroom climate first and foremost. Um, it, you know, it, it creates that need. So I've used that lesson early for that create the need um, element of, of all those pieces. The insight I've had recently is, um, I think many of us are familiar with Aguirre Mayfield. Ingram and Martin's um, identity book, um, gosh, it's seven years old now, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry that's not the full title. Joel put it in the notes of the podcast, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but in there they identify um, five equitable teaching practices. Thank you, John. It's called the impact of identity in K-8 mathematics. There, Joel, I saved you that word. Thank you. Um, so they identify five equitable teaching practices, and Robert, I'm going to actually rely on you real quick. I think those are also discussed in Catalyzing Change and mapped to the eight math teaching practices from Principles to Action.
4: It is also discussed in Catalyzing Change.
3: Getting back to what I've been thinking about is um, I've struggled to really fully implement ideas about culturally relevant pedagogy in my methods class. Um, that's probably in part because I don't maybe feel fully expert in it but also in part um, I hadn't figured out really how to connect it and making make it meaningful to my students but in the past like year working with these gentlemen it's become clear to me that those five equitable teaching practices are steeped in culturally relevant pedagogy I mean they, they almost bring it to practice and that's um, something I'm going to be using drawing upon this book um, that that are teaching for math for social justice model of the five the arrow with the five components, Um, I feel like this is, I now know how to speak about culturally relevant pedagogy much more effectively, um, drawing upon the book as examples for those five equitable teaching practices. Hopefully, fingers crossed, ask me in December how it went.
0: I think the one thing, I mean, that just is becoming abundantly clear with these conversations is, you know, how would you use this book? I mean, it seems like the conversations, right? The conversation, the professional conversations that can happen around it, just that we've you know maybe modeled throughout this month. But just the the fact that, you know, this whole thing started with, you know, Basil thinking like, you know what? I could, I want to do this, but I can't do it alone. And that's, I think that essence to take it with and seeing like, how do we do this? I need to involve my colleagues. I need to involve my students. I need to involve my administration, my uh, my community. And it just seems like from, just at, at, at a foundational level, like that's some place at least, you know, to start with wherever you're going to be doing this sort of work is that we're starting doing it together and thinking about it. Um, and it, it just laying that foundation out. Any, anything, anything else for th- any, this? The next question is kind of redundant with the last question, but you already put a bunch of golden nuggets out there with that first question, but let's see. Do you have any tips for working with teachers using the book? Anything else out there that maybe we haven't said?
3: I'm going to jump in because I get a, f- a couple that come to mind and I can preempt if anybody else says them before I do. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first, first immediate two that come to mind is collaborate with um, teaching partners, with teaching partners in particular. Um, have have allies uh, a network of support of idea generation all that and the second is another collaborate question it's collaborate with your communities and your students to learn from them learn from them about their knowledge about the context learn from them about their questions their concerns about the context um, learn from them how they even like that topic to be present in the schools but I think both those, uh, connections to other people are, are key for, for success.
1: One of the tips I would put out there is chapter one is like a, hmm, let me learn about the frameworks that help support teaching math for social justice. So I would say if you're not familiar with them, pick one to read about. We've we put references in there that will help people and that um, go down that path. But that's something where I would I would step back and I would spend some time over there um, not getting paralysis of analysis and thinking that I've got to get it perfect. But in some cases I'm not doing, because I just don't know what it is I'm not doing. So you might want to pick up one of those books, join a book study um, and, and start off, you know, an easy, I, I'd say an easy one to start off, which I'm hoping most people have already read or, or dove into is the NCTM principles to action book. So maybe you start off there and you really spend some time in some of those chapters. And then you go to a next one to learn about another framework to help you really understand what this work is about—teaching math for social justice—and um, how, you know, how what you're doing is more than just a lesson, teaching a lesson.
2: I think about um, my own development and uh, response, and I think about these guys I've worked with here and uh, their ability to be open, for us to be open to share. Uh, our beliefs our thoughts and to to not be judgmental and to to work and to be patient i think that um this is a huge part of working with teachers is um sharing you know where we're still developing our own identity and where um and and that we may not have everything right and uh but there may be some things that we feel really strongly about you know wh- whatever these things are but being responsive to that too that we we stand in equity we stand in fairness we stand uh, for people, for the dignity of life and for all people. Right. And so th- this is, um, this, this is a tough work, but I think I just, I really believe we should be really careful and give people time. We don't change the world in one day. Um, we don't change that. I mean, as much as I want things to change, but we've got to be fr- provocative. We've got to challenge some spaces, right. That need to be challenged. And, um, so to do that with an openness, for change, uh, over time, but, you know, we expect it to change, but, um, it just doesn't happen in one day. So I think that's some recommendation I would think is to, uh, and be the, do that way with yourself as well. I think that before we do these lessons, before you go this way, you've got to think about your own beliefs, your own thoughts, because those things are going to make you show your face. <laughs> those are going to be who you call on during the class that these little things that are or kind of what Robert was getting at earlier is like the foundation. Uh, you know, you've got to think through this stuff before you do a social justice lesson. You've got to think through this stuff before you talk about it in the methods course, all these ideas and be open and willing to change over time. So I would add
4: um, a couple of things. So one thing that that comes to my mind, so I know in, in some, some spaces, teaching mathematical social justice is a risk taking. And it might require that you engage in what Rochelle Gutierrez talked about, creative insubordination. <laughs> and, 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 and that is okay, you know, um, in, in the sense that, you know, you're taking these risks. And I often say, you know, that participation is a risk taking event Um, And when I say participation in this risk-taking event, what I mean by that is, 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 um, you know, if, if, if you're committed to this work, but you don't know what yet to do, the book is the first step. It provides some frameworks for moving forward. And, 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 and this is the kind of the thing that kind of move you forward. And then when you're ready to engage or how you choose to engage, you know, Part of it might be just building the knowledge base you need first so that you can develop the kind of the risk factors that you want to to engage deeply with your classroom and with your teammates and with with other teachers. And that is okay. Other people may be ready uh, further along and say, you know what, it's time. I'm kicking the door in, we're going all in, and that is okay too. So I think we have to be respectful for places where people might be, um, as John would describe it in their um, in
0: the equity walk and, and and people are in different spaces. So I, it, it gets me thinking from my own perspective of wanting to use this with my teachers and like that idea of how do I show care for my students? How do I love my students? I like to think about teaching math as agape or unconditional love and thinking about if I'm in that walk, I'm thinking about how am I gonna do that? And now you provided me with these frameworks and thinking about the social justice standards and thinking about doing good mathematics and, and make sure voices are heard, have an asset-based perspective. Like this is all towards that aim of how can I love on my students best? And I think um, in, in when we're getting to know our students and who they are and using mathematics in order to help them understand their world around them a little bit better. And then they're going to see some, some injustice is going to be, lifted up, bubbled up to the survey and like, okay, so now what, how do we go even further with it? And to think about how to explore, understand and respond to it. And I think, again, you you all came up with uh, uh, something good. And so uh, I'm just excited to that people are getting a chance to engage with it and excited for uh, this podcast to get out there so you can hear some of y'all's perspective on it. So
3: we appreciate it. What's that? I saw what you did. You used our title.
0: <laughs> That's right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I've been saying it so much this last month, but I mean, I love if someone wants. Hey, what do you do? What are you in this book? Well, hey, read the title, and that's that's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> you know, everything's there. Everyone, everything has a reason. So, um, so that gets us to our final question, where we have a uh, uh, hey, is there anything uh, to promote out there besides the, the purchase of this book? Which I'll say, I'll I won't make you all do it. You can still get at Corwin in July for I believe thirty percent off. Um, I think if you use the code, I believe 30 for 30 at checkout and there's still free shipping. So that's a great thing. Oh, and um, through, and is it through August, Basil? Is that what we're saying? Through August. Yes. All right. So keep, keep going. You can get that, uh, that special for a while. So if you're looking for something for methods classes, looking for something for your own teaching, whatever, this is, this is a great resource out there. Anything else to promote? Who wants to take this one?
3: All right. <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll, I'm, really, I'm really happy <laughs> to announce that Corwin, um, our publisher, uh, one of our two publishers, NCTM is a co-publisher, has agreed um, to publish three more books, one at each of the younger grade bands: six eight, three five, and pre-K2. Uh, There are author teams already in the works, already in motion, and there are calls out for lessons. So for everybody listening to the podcast, please reach out to teachers that you know who have been thinking about or who have been doing um, lessons grounded in context of social injustices um, in whatever grade classroom, pre-kindergarten through eighth grade.
0: There'll be links uh, to all those different calls. Uh, we'll put those in the show notes as well. And I think this is a great way we talk about at the the end, of, and we'll say these words in a fit about engaging with others and uh, around the interacting with others around this content. I mean, this is what a great, what a great excuse to get together and think about the ideas within the book, the ideas of teaching math for social justice, thinking about maybe bringing in colleagues who uh, maybe need some exposure to some of these ideas. I mean, what a great way to start those conversations. And so, I don't know. That's a that's that's very exciting that those books are coming out, and very exciting for opportunities for folks to do what you all did and get together and and talk about doing this work. So, thank you, thank you for uh, for a great month. Thank you for uh, spending a lot of time uh, talking with me. That's that uh, that's I'm, I'm very appreciative of that, and uh, uh, I'll maybe have to pay back for all that <laughs> interaction. But uh, really appreciate all you, all your time. So, thank you, thank you, folks.
1: Thank you for having us
0: again, Joel. Yeah. So thanks again for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We hope that you are able to implement something that you just heard and take an opportunity to interact with other math teacher educators. All right. That's it for this episode of the Amidon Planet Podcast. Again, all those resources associated with the... uh, Teaching Math Teaching Podcast, No Guilt Book Club on High School Math Lessons to Explore, Understand, and Respond to Social Injustice by Barry Conway, Lawler, and Staley. All those resources can be found at AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode 49. Hopefully you go check those out and any other links that we had. I don't know if we can put a link to Ted Lasso. Maybe we got something there. Maybe uh, some of those commercials from the uh, initial experience with Ted Lasso. But uh, if you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can do the following. You can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can subscribe to the Amateur Planet Download, which contains teacher resources and updates from Adam Planet, all links to do that. Uh, join the email list can be found at amadonplanet.com. You can follow at Amazon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. You can also check out the Amazon Planet store or Amazon Planet Bookshop. Again, all proceeds from your purchases help support the production costs of the podcast. You can look at the footer at amazonplanet.com where your purchases support the pr- again footer at amazonplanet.com. The links to both of those things, both the books, the store, and the bookshop. Thank you to my uh, Teaching, Math, Teaching podcast co-hosts of uh, Dusty Jones and Ava Thanheiser for letting me uh, rerun those episodes. I think putting these uh, book club resources together is maybe, hopefully it's helpful out there to someone that's looking to improve their teaching and wanting to do their own book club around it. Hey, all this stuff is available for you to do that. Um, And also thank you to uh, the authors of the book, Uh, Barry, Conway, Lawler, Staley, the I love what they did in putting the book together and then also uh, bringing in the teachers as co-authors. It's pretty awesome. So, and thank you out there also to Matt Mifflin for the music. Always love the music. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace.